Millennials are ruining the world An exennial perspective Hi everyone, welcome back to Millennials are ruining the world question mark An exennial perspective Real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y I'm not woke, but I'm awake My guest today was crowned the food queen by her family and is proud that she does not miss meals, naps, or movies. An avid pop culture and politics junkie that became a search engine optimization expert in rebellion to her father's computer software development career, please welcome Z Scott. Hey Z, how's it going? Hey, how you doing, Seth? I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. I did your podcast a while ago, and so I was like, I better have her on my podcast this season. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I can't believe I'm at season three already. That the years just they they go like water. Is that the saying? Yeah, it's true. They just go by so quickly. Time just flies by. It's not fair. It's not fair. Make time stop. Uh, so, what kind of pop culture are you into? You say you're a, a pop culture junkie. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I really am into like uh, the, I've been watching, like I watched Game of Thrones. I've watched American Gods. Um, I haven't seen the new season of American Gods because I don't have stars anymore. Was it any good? It wasn't as good as the first two seasons. But, but the first was great. And then they fired Brian Fuller and then it fired, um, Gosh, what was the other guy? Well, Kristen Chenna with quit and Jillian Anderson quit. And then they fired one of the guys on the show. You're right. Yeah, so the writing wasn't as strong. It definitely was watered down in the third season. Well, that's really sad. I like the book a lot. Yeah, I think it was it was kind of cool to see uh, Dominique Jackson in a different role other than Electra in Pose. But other than that, it was, I don't know. It wasn't as good as the first two seasons. Yeah, it the second season wasn't good enough for me to be like, I need to make sure I have stars because I don't. I got rid of, in the old days, back in my youth, like three years ago, mm-hmm. I had Fios cable and I would have HBO and Showtime and stars were all part of my package. And it was a nice reduced rate. And then they got rid of HBO and they got rid of Showtime. Then they got rid of stars. And then I was like, and they charged me $50 more a month. And that's when I hit my breaking point. I was like, nope, nope, no thank you. And now I have YouTube TV and I don't have Showtime or Stars anymore. It's very sad. Yeah, um, I have, I think I have, oh, I have AT&T cable. That's what I have. But I haven't had cable in years. I've been watching you know, Amazon Prime and Netflix, but just so happens I got, got cable this year well that's very exciting i'm i'm almost jealous except that i don't really miss it that much but of course as all my listeners will know we did a whole episode on streaming platforms uh this season uh, the second episode uh so if you missed that go back it's uh, i believe the second episode of the season but our topic today is completely unrelated to pop culture uh it is search engine optimization uh, which is Z's specialty. So Z, what the fuck is search engine optimization? It's a very long phrase. 
Well, search engine optimization is basically making your website compliant with search engines so it comes up onto the first page of results. Like Google. Yeah, like Google, Yahoo, Bing, DuckDuckGo. Do, do anybody use any of those that are not Google? Um, About 10 to 15% of the population uses other search engines other than Google. Wow. Believe it it's or not. 15%. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine. To me, Google is is synonymous with search now. Yeah, I mean, Google has pretty much uh, made itself like uh, Polaroid or Xerox or Kleenex, you know, company names that have become nouns. No, I agree. Eponyms. But I, I still use Kleenex. I always get actual Kleenex. I don't like regular tissues at all. Yeah, I think for me, I typically buy Kleenex too. Yeah, that's what they have <laughs> them at Costco. on your nose. Yes. I buy the cheap stuff, but since since I've gotten grown and made more money, I buy Kleenex. Well, I don't make more money, but I, I still buy Kleenex because it's there's some things you can't scrimp on, and Kleenex is, is one of them. This yeah. episode sponsored by Kleenex. Do you think they would sponsor <laughs> me if I wrote them and said, hey, we said great things about you. Will you give us a couple thousand dollars and sponsor the podcast? No. Well, you know, you know what they say, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So Yeah, maybe I'll maybe they'll send me Kleenex. Maybe I'll maybe they would just send me boxes and boxes, although my the studio is pretty full right now. But maybe in a few months I'll be like, Hey, look, uh, I mentioned you on this podcast. Can you give me a free box of tissues? Maybe they'll give me a coupon or something. Yeah, they may. They may do that. They can afford that. I did complain to um Tropicana. Uh, I had a hole in my Tropicana carton. They've since gotten rid of those, probably because of me. It's now only plastic. But I had a leak, and I said, hey, I have a leak in my Tropicana, and they sent me coupons for 50% off. So. Oh, wow. That was nice. I mean, I thought, you know, why not c complain about things that didn't happen, too? I mean, who knows? I, I think these companies will be like, okay, whatever, rather than listen to me complaining for an hour, they'd rather just be like, here's a 50% off coupon. You know, Amazon typically like will replace stuff. No questions asked. I figured actually I got Muppets Mad Libs and it was wrinkled in the corner. And I was this close to being like, there's a wrinkle, but I was like, it doesn't really affect my enjoyment on doing the Mad Libs. So uh, I decided not to, but I will say with Amazon, I accidentally got the wrong cat food. I thought it was uh, Smee's prescription food. And then I realized it wasn't. And I canceled and it already had been shipped. And they were like, it's okay, we'll just refund you because they can't take the food back because I guess it has an expiration date. So I ended up, one of my friends uh, has four cats with her family. And I was like, would your cats eat this? And she's like, sure. So I just gave them, you know, the free cases that I had ordered that Amazon refunded me, no questions asked. Yeah, Amazon is good about that. Target's pretty good too, as long as you have the receipt and the item in the original packaging. Well, that's good to know. Uh, but that's not uh, that's not on topic. So, so why does someone care about search engine optimization? You should care about search engine optimization because trillions of searches happen annually. Millions of searches happen every day. And people are searching from, they're searching for everything, everything online. 
and especially since this whole pandemic was coronavirus and people being stuck in their houses, people are now looking, they have their phones with them all the time and they're going to- You say people search on a phone? Yeah. And they That's use- so the, crazy. I only search on the computer. Yeah. So people search on their phone and they pull up the, the Google app and and uh, they, they're constantly searching. There's actually, I think globally, more searches happen from phones than desktop computers now. That's insane. I know my parents prefer using their phones too. I, I'm in this weird like generation called Xennial. I hate using the phone. Like I, I turn on the computer every day when I wake up at noon and I turn it off every night at 12.01, right after I say happy birthday to people at midnight on Facebook. And it's on for 12 hours a day. And if I'm out, I just text myself reminders to do things on the computer when I'm home. And that's what I use the phone for, mostly to remind myself to do things. So during the, the time when I wasn't leaving the apartment, I wasn't using the phone at all, except for calling people to say hello, because we all were so disconnected. I like to call people on the phone. And I found a lot of my friends, they find that uh, anxiety producing. Like they prefer if we're going to have a phone conversation that we schedule it in advance uh, rather than I'm just calling to say, you know, I just called to say I love you or I miss you or hi. Well, I definitely could see that because I, I, I don't really like talking to my clients unless the conversation is scheduled too. Oh, I mean, that's not clients though. I'm talking about well, friends. Clients and, well, friends too. Unless all your friends are your clients. Well, my clients are my friends and my friends are my clients. Got it. I call that friant. <laughs> Whenever I had a, a friend who's also a client, I call them a friant. A friant? <laughs> yes. That's a friend client, a friant. It's a portmanteau. <laughs> a friant. But uh, for me, it's, yeah. I mean, I have a, a handful of friends that just call me out of the blue, so. Yeah, I mean, I have a handful. And then I have another handful that says, if you want to talk to me, let's schedule a time in advance. But that's nice because then you can talk for a few hours and you know, you know, you both cleared your, cleared your schedule for a conversation. Right, right. So I think there's perks to either one of them, but I enjoy getting random phone calls from people. I, maybe because I make my own hours uh, mm -hmm. and do whatever I want most of the time. So for, for my schedule, I guess is is a little more flexible than some. Uh, so why did you decide, speaking of schedules, to make this your career? What what was the moment that you went, aha, I'm going to help people uh, be searched and, and make them visible? Well, that's a great question because, you know, Thank when you. I when it's I really hard to write questions. <laughs> when I graduated from MIT, my first job at a, after school was working for Raytheon as a web applications developer. And so I was building websites and integrating them with databases and, you know, doing, do, doing a lot of business programming. And then um, over time, I, um, well, when I graduated, I had heard, you know, whispers of Google and at that time, I really wasn't um, thinking about, you know, what's the next wave, what's the next trend. I wasn't, you know, in that mindset, but um, I did notice that in years later, I ended up at a small tech firm that uh, wanted to grow their uh, website design and SEO business. 
which I helped them to do. And I saw it firsthand as the industry was growing. So once SEO became a thing, I started, you know, working with business owners um, with their SEO. And I just, I really enjoyed it because um, every business is different. And I really enjoy working with different business models and seeing how to optimize that, how to connect um, business owners with their ideal clients. Clients or their friants? Their friants. Yes. Uh, so I actually just realized you mentioned MIT, and this is the first time in 34 episodes that I forgot I'm supposed to ask the question, how did we meet at the start of the episode? So, uh, but this is okay because it's variety and people like unexpectedness. So I'm going to ask the introductory question in the middle of the episode this week. How did we meet, C? We met, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm trying to think, did we meet before? No, we, yeah, okay. I'm trying to think of all the little connections we had. So we met at MIT. Yes, yes, you mentioned MIT and I went, oh shit, I'm supposed to be like, how did we meet? That should have been the beginning, but it's okay. I, I could yeah. edit it there, but I think it's funnier that it's in the middle. Yeah, we met at MIT and I think we first crossed paths in student government. Yes, I was in student government. I was the uh, election commissioner. That is a job they find some a poor, yes, they find some poor, unsuspecting freshmen because back then it was pass no record when I went when we went. I believe right. it's now pass fail. But you could literally take a class, and if you weren't going to pass it, it just disappeared from your record, and right. you could just you could get a D minus and you get a pass. Even so. It was like, why bother to get an A when you can get a C and still get through it? Uh, because MIT is really hard and a lot of people committed suicide, but that's not a good subject for now. Uh, so they find one unsuspecting freshman every year, and that was me. And I found out that on my Mystery Hunt team, there were two other people who are younger than we are that had also been election commissioners at some point. Really? Yeah, it was really funny. I can't believe that that was an odd coincidence that people on my mystery hunt team uh, don't mind doing horrible tasks. It was the worst job I've ever done. I ran the election and there was a scandal. Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember the scandal. I remember the scandal when I was election commissioner. Oh yeah, you were the year before me. No, I was election commissioner after you. Oh, you did it after me? I did it after you two times. Oh no, not two times. I think, I think it was you and then I did it twice. Oh God. After well, I had um, one, there was a guy and a girl, and I don't remember, I think the girl's name was Sandra, but I don't remember the guy's name. And the controversy was he had spent too much money campaigning and he somehow overwent what he was supposed to spend because I guess his parents are very wealthy and he didn't have student loans like me. But uh, so I guess they had, we had to rerun the whole fucking thing a second time just to be like, just so you know, he spent too much money and he won the second time too. So what was the point of redoing the whole? Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I have no good memories from that whole experience. I remember, I remember um, a guy who ran, he lost the election and he was a pain in my butt, but 
I think he's on the MIT Corporation now. He was pretty shady in what he well, was. That's doing. possible. People I don't are know. so desperate to get something on their resume. It's incredible. I mean, I I don't think I even put election commissioner on my resume. I don't think I, don't I know. put it on my resume either. I might have when I applied to grad school, but once you're at a grad school and you're working in theater, no one gives a shit about your resume. It's do you have the talent? Like right. having a resume and having a master's and having two bachelors from MIT, I haven't really improved my my career in a tangible way. In it, I think in an intangible way, sure, but not in a direct. Hey, it's on my resume. I was election commissioner in MIT. No, no one is going to hire me to play piano because I ran an election. Well, you know, for me, I, I went on and got my master's in public policy and I have run for office. So the knowledge that I gained there has been been helpful. And I don't know if I told you this before, but I'm a city official as well now. I didn't um, actually know that. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I'm a city official for the city of Long Beach, California. I'm a part of the Independent Redistricting Commission as a commissioner. Well, so that's I, amazing. I am Commissioner Scott, but I don't I don't talk about it a lot. You should totally run for senator or something. Now that there was an opening, um, you could have put I, your name, your hand out in the ring. I've I've run for office before, and I I have my eye on some some offices, but we'll see see what the future. Well, holds. I hope so. You know, one of my other friends from MIT, I won't say her name because it's not official. She's a, I think she's on the school board, but she was considering using that and getting more into city politics and stuff as well, which is great. Yeah, one of my, one of my classmates from MIT, um, Tina Phil, Sweet Tea, Tina Phil, she just got elected to be an alderman in the city of St. Louis. Well, that's amazing. Good for everyone. I could never run for office. I have uh, too many, I've made too many jokes in the past that could probably come back to bite me in the ass where they'd be like, Seth said this insensitive thing. And I'll be like, it was a joke. And they'll be like, he said it. It was 20 years ago. He said it. He should not be elected. Well, the thing about politics, though, um, uh, Joe Collins ran against uh, Maxine Waters in the last election in California. And let me tell you, the mud, the mud was being slung from all directions. And uh, <laughs> you have to have a thick skin and, and, and be able to, to have a battle of words to get into certain certain levels in government. Certain I, I don't think my thinnest thick enough. And uh, mudslinging, it's fun when you're a kid, but I think when you're adults, it's just kind of dirty. Yeah. I mean, in the city of Long Beach, I I, I think most people try to at least publicly, you know, play nice. Well, that's good. I, I would like to play nice. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we met at MIT and uh, we were in student government. I think I got out of student government after that election commissioning thing. I don't remember what it was, but I was on like a committee. I was like the student representative for a while. At, and we would meet once a, once a month and I would get free food and I would just give my input. I did that for a while, but I don't know that how I got on that. Maybe that was my reward for having been election commissioner. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But didn't we also go to a freshman leadership project together? Yes, we did. And I actually um, found the pictures. I was I was going through some boxes and I found the group picture because we were in the same uh, cohort group together. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I found the picture with you and me back in the day. Was that leader shape, leader escape? Leader, leader shape. 
Leadership. Yeah, I did. I did FLP was freshman leadership program before I went to college. Leadership was a program I believe was into my second year. Right. Uh, and the, all the binders were blue. I want to say they were neon blue. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was blue. All right. See, it's, it's funny how your memory remembers things. I don't remember anything else about it. Um, you know, the 20 year reunion just snuck up on me. Like literally, like I, I didn't realize that it was happening until I saw Stephanie Epsi posting on Facebook about it. And she's giving a talk during the, the reunion. And I was like, man, I should have made plans to go, but it's all virtual. Yeah. Maybe oh, you're I'll just too busy. You're you know, so busy. I, you can't even zoom. I've been so busy focusing on my conference and my clients. Like I'm working, I'm working with, um, uh, NS Design right now, they manufacture, they're like one of the leading manufacturers of electronic instruments, including electric violins, cellos, basses, upright basses, uh, electric basses, working with them. I'm working. Yeah, because with- you're a musician too. That's another thing. We were both uh, in the music department, which is a very small department at MIT, but it exists. And I still remember your senior presentation. Really? On, on uh, Carmina Barana? Yep. I remember that. It was a really good presentation. Thank you. I wanted to do something with with Sondheim, uh, but the requirement was we needed to find old drafts of them that they had. And uh, so I could have done it now because he's published a whole bunch of books. There's been a whole bunch of books published with a lot of his process. Uh, But back then, none of that had been published yet and I couldn't find any anything. So that's, but we had some Carmina Burana Inquire uh, an MIT choir, and I really loved it. And the MIT library did have the they. I guess they published the this is how the this is how it was made type thing. And right. so you had to analyze uh, his his writing process. And I I found that all very interesting. And I think it probably uh, helped me as a as a composer doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, I think the the music program at MIT definitely was was helpful for me. I mean, I, I went kind of a different route. I remember when we were undergrads, I, I played in your pit orchestra for uh, for one of your uh, books. That Trivial you Pursuits, you mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was the musical my friend from high school and I wrote, and we put it on senior year, and I invited Sondheim, and he wrote me and said, I can't come to Boston, but great good luck uh, with it. And I thought it was going to go to Broadway, and of course it didn't. It was it wasn't great. I mean, I sometimes the CD comes up in my iTunes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Certainly not as good as Love Quirks, but you know, whatever. I was young. You need that stepping stone. You know, you need to write those ten thousand songs before you get a show that that is worthy. Yeah, I mean, me, I, I went a different route. I I've mostly been playing covers and sacred music in church. And then I do have um, my own project that I've been working on forever. But my main thing is been working with uh, my clients on website design projects and search engine optimization because, you know, it's, it's very important. You know, only 30% of businesses have an SEO strategy. So believe it or not, as developed as the internet is, it's not as organized and it's not as competitive as people would think. So there's still a lot of room to grow brands and to establish um, your piece of the market. 
Well, that is a lovely way of getting us back on topic. So how, uh, how do you help people exactly to, to increase their SEO? Well, on my website, seoqueen.com, I have a blog. I've written a book. I've written, actually, I've written quite a few books. I've written some ebooks, uh, 40 Steps to Google Page One, which is also an audio book. And then I've written 101 Ways to Improve Your Marketing and Sales, where I chronicle all the ways that I've driven um, marketing and sales to make over $60 million for my clients over the years. And then I also have my book, SEO Training 2017, Search Engine Optimization and Marketing for Small Businesses. I published that in 2017, which um, for the most part still has um, relevant uh, content and technique that still works to this day. And uh, yeah, it really outlines all the things you can do to um, optimize your website to get it more visibility online. And search engine optimization is really important because people who find you via search results are typically 50% more likely to purchase your product than people who find you through other methods. Are there other methods? Yeah, I mean, there's radio, there's uh, direct mail, there's flyers, there's word of mouth. I mean, there's all types of, you know, marketing methods, but SEO is more has a higher conversion rate and it's cheaper because you're targeting people who are specifically looking for a specific thing. So is it just like you use specific words on your website? That's exactly. like the, the buzzwords? Right. So we call this keyword research. Keyword research is when you figure out when you do your research to find out how many people are searching for a certain phrase. And so say, for instance, you are selling dresses. You don't want to just try to optimize for dresses because there's hundreds of thousands of people searching for just the word dresses. So you want to um, niche it down. So you want to go with um, either red dresses or white dresses or uh, blue dresses. And then you want to niche it down even more. You want to say long or short blue dresses. I mean, the more descriptive you can be, the more specific you can get the higher your conversion rate is and you'll get more specific traffic to your website. Got it. So the more adjectives and the the more it's like when you're doing a song, the more specific you become, the more universal it is. That's a that's a big thing when with acting. I say make the specific choices and the more specific you are, uh, the more everyone relates to it. Absolutely. That's funny. I find it funny when things are applicable, applicable, I can't say the word applicable. Applicable. <laughs> I can say it when I'm trying not to. Yeah, I find it funny when things are applicable to uh, multiple genres, but a lot of life is like that. Like you can really apply advice from any career to any career in, in a lot of ways sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So then since a lot of people I think who listen to this work in theater, uh, for theater, you would say we would it would it'd be about branding, which is another op. We did an episode on branding in season one, and it's about uh, you know, of course, last week we talked about showbiz coaching. It's it's a similar thing. It's figuring out who you are, what you are, uh, what words encapsulate what you are, and then I guess to apply it to SEO, you would prominently feature these words on your website. Is that how it works? Right. You definitely want to use the target keywords in the coding and the content of your website. So you want to make sure that you're 
meta title and your meta description contain your target keywords. What and is a, a meta title? A meta title, like when you're looking at- I mean, the, I know, I'm just asking for the listeners. Okay, for the listeners is when you- I don't really know. No, I do, I'm just being funny now. <laughs> you better know what it is, Mr. Computer <laughs> Science. <laughs> I do, I do, but for the people who don't know what it is, what is a meta title? A meta title is a piece of code that's typically in the header, the HTML header of a website. And this content, even though it's in the code, you see it, you see the content of a header tag when you are, when you do a search and you, your website is indexed and it, it shows the meta title right above the link. So say if I was gonna look up a uh, theater actor, I don't think you're going to get me. You might get me if you if you put musical theater pianist, maybe. Shall we try this? This is going to be so fascinating, fascinating for the people at home. Musical theater. Dean Seth Start. Theater pianist. pianist. Do I come up? Uh, no, it's Leonard Bernstein comes up. I'm going to put NYC in there. Interesting. I'm, I, oof. Oh, Micah Young got in here. He's a popular Broadway conductor and pianist. So when you put in musical theater pianist NYC, the first result that I see is thebash.com, which lists the top, uh, it says top 10 best Broadway pianists in New York. A lot of people make these lists. Oh, but interesting. I don't know what criteria they use to make these lists because I was looking, I was doing some research because I was putting together some marketing memes. From yeah, I've never heard of any of these people and I've been in the industry for a very long time. Yeah, people just make up lists based on, yeah, based on their whatever. <laughs> but um, on search engine results, you see the URL, then you see the meta title, which is highlighted as a link to the website, and then you see the meta description underneath it. Mm. So typically, if no phrases on, if no websites are being optimized for that specific phrase that's being looked up, it uh, Google tends to serve the results that are closest to that phrase, which means that they have um, those phrases either in the meta title or the meta description or somewhere on the page. Um, I, think I need to work on my search optimization. I put a musical theater pianist, NYC composer, lyricist, and I'm getting a few people I've heard of, but not me. Oh, then I got John Kander. He's famous. I don't know, but I, you know, 100%, if I put the word Seth in there, uh -huh. I am the third one. <laughs> I'm the third Seth that gets listed if you put a musical theater pianist, Seth. Yeah, so... So musical composers is a phrase that has 720 um, searches uh, per month. And that's a phrase that you could um, optimize your website for, Seth. Well, here, if I get rid of all of that and I just write musical theater composer lyricist Seth, then I come up right away. It says Seth Biesenhersch in mm -hmm. 0.6 seconds is a prolific music versatile New York City-based musical theater lyricist composer, because that's the exact order that I wrote it in my bio. Oh, so wow. That, and everything on this is me for quite some time, actually, because it's in my bio, but that's because I knew it was, so I literally just searched for a phrase that was in my bio. 
If I get yeah. rid of lyricists, it still comes up. Musical theater composer Seth, I'm still first. Very oh. interesting. Oh, it here's is. a search. Current Broadway composers. Let's see, it won't be me. Elton John. Well, at least I've heard of him. <laughs> I can't be jealous of Elton John. All right, so that's probably enough of us clicking and clicking and searching and searching. It's not that interesting uh, for the listeners. Uh, <laughs> so it's okay. So we've learned what a meta title is, and we've learned that if you use my name, you will find me, and if you don't, you will not. And that's there's just a lot of people out there doing what I do, apparently. And who knew? Who knew? All right, so what other advice do you have for people who are trying uh, to increase their, their search worthiness? Blog. I would say definitely blog. So if you want to, to come up more times online, definitely um, identify what people are looking for in terms to um, like, maybe there's a, a Broadway production that you've, you've performed in blogging about that is a great way to drive more traffic to your site. Um, if you, you know, if I was a, a theater actor or actress, I would definitely blog about the different productions that I've been in. Cause you never know. Because I know me, being a pop culture junkie, I'm always looking for information about an actor or a show, and uh, I read that stuff. So I know there's other people just like me out there. Do you have to do that on an actual blog site? Because I keep my blog on my website. Should I be doing that through like blogjournal.com or something, or does that not? No, you should do it on your own website. You should do that on .com. Um, You should not... Um, do it on other platforms. And well, that's good. I have a lot of pages on my website, as you know. There's a lot of stuff there and a lot of archives. So I think uh, people randomly can find me if they're Googling random things a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So you definitely want to, to do keyword research to find out. And actually, I have a, key, a free keyword research tool on seoqueen.com that people can use if you go to seoqueen.com and click on SEO tools. But according a, to you, people are less likely to click off a podcast than of a Google search. Well, I'm just saying those who are listening. Yes, seoqueen.com. <laughs> yeah, go to seoqueen.com and you can find uh, some keyword ideas to use on your blog. Do you have a jingle for that? You should write yourself a jingle. I actually have two uh, jingles. Uh, one of my jingles goes, it's time to grow with the SEO queen. Oh, I like it. Mine is just SethBH.com. Boop. <laughs> and then it gets stuck in people's head. I'm not sure they actually ever go to the website, but at least it's in their subconscious. Yeah, well, I wrote the first jingle I ever wrote for, for the SEO queen is... The SEO queen, the SEO queen, more positivity, more credibility, more probability, the SEO queen. I like it. The SEO queen. Yep. SEOqueen.com. You need that. That's what you're missing the at the SEO end of that. SEO queen. SEOqueen.com. 
And that's, you, know you, you guys got to keep repeating it and hammering it. That's what I do at the end of all my shows. SethBH.com. And then by the end, they're all singing with me. And uh, even if they're drunk, they remember it. Yeah, I've had people uh, come up to me singing CEO. <laughs> I just crack up when they do that. Yeah, no, that happens to me. That happened back in the day when I would walk down Ninth Avenue. Uh, of course, now, now I'm outside without a mask again because... Uh, we finally can be outside without a mask. But in back in 2019, when I was young, uh, people would stop me on Ninth Avenue and be like, SethBH.com. And I'd be like, hey, how's it going? That was those were the good days. Those were the those were the days. Uh, and maybe again, those things will happen. Uh, it's been great performing in person again, I'll tell you. Woo! Uh, so here's an interesting question I came up with. Uh, do you think the internet has made the world better or worse? That's a good question. I think it's a bittersweet improvement. Um, it's made it easier for trolls to troll. That's for sure. And But it's made it easier to stay connected and to put your information out there. So it's it's bittersweet for me. Yeah, it's like there's really good things about it and also really bad things about it. Yeah, but you know, the good thing about um, the technology is that you can literally block trolls out of your sphere. As soon as they pop up, you can just block. My sister used to uh, collect trolls. You know, the little pink ones with the big hair? Uh-huh. Yeah, she used to collect those in Beanie Babies. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's but... a long time ago. Yeah, those are cute trolls. The trolls I'm yes. talking about are annoying, annoying as uh, all get well, out. Well, people feel like they can uh, have impunity because it's anonymous. So they feel like they would say all these things they wouldn't say to your face. If you live next door to someone, you wouldn't. there wouldn't be this confrontation because no one is, is like that. They have social graces. The internet just kind of removes all social graces and it also equalizes everyone so that everyone is on the same footing for better or worse. You know, the, the truth, the lies, it all gets equal time and attention. And that's, that's one of the detriments. Well, you know, for me, I, I have to confess, you know, as an undergrad, there were some situations where people exchange words via the email list serves and people would send stuff to the email and, and all the situations that I saw um, escalate from those email tirades, if you will, kind of have made me over the years, you know, much more um, mindful about my word choice online. Just, I mean, just because, you know, there people are so easily triggered these days for- Yeah, I think that the caution comes with maturity and age. Yeah. But maybe it's also our generation. We were there at the beginning of it all. So we learned a lot of lessons that kids today uh, sometimes have to learn the hard way. It's like, if something's on the internet, it's there forever. Like if, if you search for your name and there are things on there that you don't like, like, is there any way you can fix that as an SEO queen? Yes, you can. Um, oh. We call this reputation management. Hmm. And uh, this is a service that my company does perform for clients. Um, it's not, it's not inexpensive. 
because it requires the creation of digital assets and content and strategy. It's a lot that goes into it, but um, it's it's definitely something that you can do. Um, I definitely um, monitor my reputation online, and uh, it's, it's you mean so you important. Google yourself? Yeah, I Google myself and and make adjustments when and if necessary. But it's it's been pretty quiet. I think I've been pretty you know been keeping my head low, not not pissing too many people off. So, well, uh, I try very hard not to. Uh, but when you're a comedian, you know sometimes uh, sometimes you say something. Because uh, a lot of it is improv and off the cuff. And the problem with the internet is if you're doing things like that, it's there forever. But I think I was okay. Uh, with the podcast, of course, if I say anything that goes too far and I listen to it next week, I go, I'm always on the safe side. I'm like, well, even though only like a couple hundred people listen to this, just in case. And uh, with SoundCloud, the best thing is if someone listens and is like, I was offended by this part, they let you just change the audio file. So I would just go in and I would go snip, 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 snip. And I, you know, that's my, it's like a comma in grammar. When in doubt, leave it out. Like I don't, I tried, I used to want to go to the line and go past the line and then come back. But that's when there wasn't the internet. Like in the old days, if we said something that crosses a line, you get the reaction and you're like, just kidding. But in the internet, that is up there forever. So I think it's been... Like when I'm live and in person and I, I'm more willing to to tiptoe closer to the line because the chances of someone taping that and putting it up are pretty long. I guess nowadays they're not quite so low. It's a lot of work to always have to think about what you say all the time though. Well, I, I agree. And that's one reason why I'm not in corporate America. That's why I have my own company. Yeah, it's me too. I'm not in corporate America. I think corporate America is horrible, no offense. To those listeners in corporate America, that there's probably not that many people who listen to this who are. Let's be honest. I think corporate America fucking sucks. I mean, I was interviewed um, on another podcast, uh, I think Monday or Tuesday last week. And they oh asked, my gosh, you're cheating on me with another podcast? <laughs> I guess we're not exclusive. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, they asked me, "Is there one thing you would change about Google?" And I and I said what I would change about Google is the racism. That's what I would change. And that's like my biggest complaint with corporate America. Because, you know, I, I had a situation, you know, before I, I launched uh, the SEO Queen. I had launched my first company in 2012 and then I shut it down. And before I relaunched the SEO Queen in 2017, I worked for another agency in uh, Huntington Beach. And the owner hired this white boy with a high school education to be my boss. And there was really nothing outstanding about his his accomplishments or his knowledge of SEO. And he bragged about learning SEO on blogs when I learned how the SEO, how the internet worked at MIT. So, and, you know, I had programming, all this experience, I was just, I could not understand why that choice was made so i mean that's ridiculous you went to fucking mit with two degrees and i had a master's degree and i i just i was i can't put up with that shit and it's it's just too much it's too much i can't take it i'm sorry to hear about that but i'm glad that you found your own way i i think it is way better to find your own way 
Uh, yeah, and, make your and own last path. year, last year I made more money than I ever did on any job, including uh, Raytheon. So my company. So you, made- you you get the last laugh. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about search engine optimization before we move on to our closing questions? Yeah, I think, you know, search engine optimization is people think it is, you know, there's so much competition out there, but you literally can build and grow a brand online organically. And most companies won't spend the time like even well-known brands like Herbalife, like when I, I think I talked to them, last time I talked to them was a few years ago, but they didn't even have an SEO strategy. Most companies are using, you know, radio, TV, paid ads, but you know, if, if you turn those off, if uh, consumer behavior shifts, um, your visibility goes away instantly. If, if Facebook changes its rules and its platform, which has been happening not only has facebook been changing but apple has been changing so there's been um uh changes that people have to make with their ads because the cookies cookies eventually are going to go go away i think because right. you want to explain what cookies are not the chocolate chip kind yeah cookies are just little pieces of code that um basically say that you've either who you are or what websites you've been to so they can serve a multitude of purposes but they're identifiers yeah so that's that's how amazon always knows who you are right and how facebook gives you ads for things you just googled exactly yeah that's that but they're not as yummy as chocolate chip cookies at all no they're not (laughs) Uh, now i kind of want to get dessert uh, so thank you, Z. That was a lovely a conversation. I hope people learned something today about how to increase their visibility uh, with the Google. Uh, so our closing questions, uh, what is a time a millennial annoyed you? Well, that's a great question. Thank you. I ask it every week. There's this trend with millennials where they want to dress like grandma and grandpa. And I don't understand that. And I also don't understand how how many are you know so entitled and some are lazy like i i hired and fired this young man about maybe a couple of weeks ago or a month ago dude begged me for a job not only did he really not know what he was doing he his work ethic was horrible i had another young lady i hired years ago who thought working meant to socialize with people in the office oh gee on my dime so yeah so i i I, you know being an mit graduate i think the older i get the more i understand how much our view of hard work is like i work hella hard and yeah i work hella hard too does not (laughs) does not do that I mean, we have our own podcast. That's a lot of work. People don't realize yeah. how much work a podcast is. They yeah, think they can just do it, but but to do it well and to have good guests and good questions, that that's it's a lot of work to time. do everything. It takes time. Yeah, I think that's a common refrain uh, about the younger generations. Their entitlement and they're wanting something for nothing and they're thinking, you know, they can just have it right away. Uh, it's the culture they grew up in. They're used to to having things handed to them. Yeah, I mean, even with my son, my son will ask me, 
I think he was making this this little robot. He was supposed to make a robot out of recycled materials. And he asked me, he's like, mom, how did this look? And I said, you know what? You want my honest opinion? I said, it looks like trash. It looks like he didn't put any effort into that. I'm not one of those parents that's going to be like, oh, I'm so happy you tried and da 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 da. No. I it's agree. Like, I agree. Right <laughs> that gives me hope for Generation Alpha. Uh, I think it's the new one being raised by the Generation X's or whatever. All right. Uh, so final question. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? I would say to myself years ago to not shy away from entrepreneurship is not as scary as you think. All right. You heard it here, guys. Entrepreneurship is hard to say but it's not as scary as you think. Just do it. You too can start your own career away from corporate, the corporate world. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really think that um, corporate America is, leaves a lot to be desired. And I think the, the Institute for, I think, is it called sustainable development? Um, there's a professor there. I think his name is uh, Professor Jay Johnson. And he, he did a, a presentation here in California, I think at Pelican Hill. And he was talking about success. You know, we need to redefine what success is. And I think that is something that needs to happen. And I think if you're an entrepreneur and you utilize SEO, you can definitely define success for yourself. Because whether it's it's music, technology, um whatever you're you're trying to do even nonprofit work i mean there's just so much work to be done i actually have a client right now that business model is about um anti-racism work and they're able to help so many people and it's it's just amazing and i think um you know just having a, a narrow or myopic view of business is, is detrimental to your mental, physical, and financial health, so. We believe in you. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Z, for being here. This was super fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. So next week, uh, speaking of internet, uh, I did a really good job with the order of the episodes this season. We're segueing into uh, transparency culture with my friend Ashley Will. She didn't want to talk about cancel culture. She wants to call it transparency culture. So it's actually quite a very interesting episode. So I hope you'll tune in then and you'll hear me next time right here on Millennials Are Running the World question mark and Exennial Perspective, Real Conversations Bridging the Gap Between Generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. Millennials are ruining the world and Exennial Perspective.